This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Tuesday, August the 6th. I'm your host, D.A. Gosh, the Cleveland Browns just can't help but be interesting, huh? Former offensive line coach Bob Wiley, a guy that the only reason people know is because he was on hard knocks last year saying that stretching is overrated as an offensive line coach is now a kind of talking head, a pundit that has joined a couple of talk shows and on CBS Sports Radio said that Freddie Kitchens isn't really qualified to be head coach of the Browns this year. Interesting. So, of course, this gets back to the Browns and they are forced to respond and Freddie Kitchens sounds pretty defensive. Should the head coach of the Browns be embroiled in a war of words with an unemployed former assistant? Here's 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland and The Ken Carmen Show. If my former co-worker was out there on TV and out there on the radio telling, well, you know, he didn't have any coordinating experience, no head coaching experience, was saying basically I wasn't qualified for the job. Yeah, I know me. I would have reacted the same way Freddie Kitchens did. Uh, you have no problem taking shots at people who take shots at you. We take shots at each other all the time, all the time. That's the whole point of the show. Yeah, so I know me, and I know that if I were Freddie Kitchens and I were the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, I'd probably be upset and I'd probably address that issue. Yeah, I think he's, in a way, I think he's sinking to the level of a guy that's 68, he's out of football, he's never going to coach again, he's been around football for 50 years. He was well-liked last year, at least. Fans loved him. I remember the uh, the Santa card that the Browns put out, and people were an all-time high. They were winning some games, and Bob Wiley was, you know, this this guy when you saw him on Hard Knocks. He was kind of a lovable guy, and Clevelanders embraced him, and... Look, Clevelanders are embracing everything Freddie does. There's nothing Freddie or Baker can do right now before they actually play football games that will upset anybody in this town. I, I, they've like tapped in to something with the when it comes to the Clevelanders. Now, I don't, I don't necessarily see the need for some of it, like the Baker thing. We had fun with that. That was that was great. That had nothing to do with football or anything. This just surprises me that Freddie would continue the headlines because now today. You're going to see it on TV all day today. This is the stuff you're going to see. And I just guess I don't, I don't see the win. I don't see the point well, of it. You understand that he, he never took shots at Freddie. He, I, I know that he mentioned the yelling and people took that as a shot at Greg Williams. Okay. He mentioned the driving the bus thing. That's absolutely a shot at, at Hugh Jackson. I'm not denying any of that. He didn't take shots at Bob Wiley. There was no thought about Bob Wiley. And according to what he says, he, he met, he visited him. Weekly, when he went to the hospital, he FaceTimed him and texted him and talked to him. And then you got your co your former co-worker out there talking trash about you. And it's not just where it was maybe back in June or May or any of that. This this is right before the season starts. 
So now I'm in training camp. I mean, ask questions about Bob Wiley talking trash about me and saying that I'm not fit. Basically, I am not fit to be a head coach in the NFL. Really? I need to address this right now, two days before my, three days before my first preseason game in the NFL? If I were Freddie Kitchens, I'd be spitting mad. I can't believe he didn't cuss. I'm serious. I, I, I am shocked the man didn't cuss because I'd be as fired up as anybody. I got to address this garbage three days before our first preseason game. These ghosts of losing past will simply not go away. I think you can I'd be, be so frustrated. I think you can be spitting mad and not address it. I don't think you need to address it. Like, what is, how, how is it lost? What, what did he lose if he just would have said, you know what? We were good friends last year. We were colleagues and I wish him all the best and I wish him all the best of health and his family. And, uh, it was great coaching with him last year. And, and how does he lose there? If he, anything, he looks more professional. People around the NFL say, oh, he could have taken his shots and he didn't. Instead, he says Bob was. Because that's personal. He says Bob that's, was not under a, contract. He forgot to tell everybody that. He was not under contract. He had talked about retiring forever. I mean, we have the are, audio. These are shots. Well, we didn't play that part of it. We, we but, have the audio. But he, these, these are absolutely shots. You know, if I'm Freddie Kitchens, I'm staying above the fray and saying Bob doesn't work for us anymore, so I'm not going to address that. Because then you come off as sounding a lot more confident about your position and about your credentials. But I think it's amazing because there absolutely has to be a few other people within that organization that also question the same thing. I mean, last year, Greg Williams is the head coach as they turn the corner and start winning football games. And then suddenly he's not the head coach and you promote a guy that's never been a head man ever before. There's got to be questions, not just from Bob Widely. So I think the interesting point here is that Widely verbalizes some concerns that I'm sure other people have inside the organization, and if things go sideways on the Browns or they don't live up to the billing, there's going to be immediate questions within those walls about whether John Dorsey hired the right guy or just wanted somebody that he could push around because he was a rookie head coach. Saquon Barkley was one of the most dynamic players in all of football last year. But it didn't really amount to any wins on the football field, unfortunately, for the Giants organization as a whole. Now, this year, Saquon Barkley, everyone's expecting, will do just as much, if not more. But he's got a quarterback that's on his way out of town. Many assume that Eli Manning could be last hurrah, last ride in the Meadowlands this year. You'll hear Saquon Barkley specifically talk about how much help Eli has given him and what it's meant to learn from Eli, which is interesting because think about how Odell Beckham has spoken about Eli. Let's listen in and try to read through it on WFA in New York with Boomer and Gia. The biggest difference between year two and year one for you when you uh, walk through the doors here? Um, just being more comfortable with the playbook and understanding um, just the offensive schemes, understanding defensive schemes. Um, you know, you had a whole year to play, uh, and every single week I feel like I got better. Um, not only with stats or rushing yards or touchdowns or uh, how I play just understanding the game and uh, especially with the help of Eli um, he's very helpful um, so continue to have him by my side and continue to learn from him I feel like it's only going to help me um, grow even more as a player. You know you, you over 2,000 yards last year you had a terrific rookie season you know Dave Gettleman said all these great things about you prior to the draft I'm not sure you were aware of that and you basically validated all of those things are you paying attention to like what's going on at your position in the NFL with Le'Veon Bell holding out, with Ezekiel Elliott now holding out, waiting for a new contract? Do you pay attention to any of that um, stuff? No, I mean, you do. Like I said, I'm active on social media, and you know, sometimes I'll be sitting uh, 
and lunch or dinner or breakfast, mm-hmm. and you look up and it might be on Sports Center and they're talking about it. Um, I'm aware that uh, I don't know so far. I don't know if Zeke went to camp yet, but I'm aware that he's um, uh, having a little hold out there. I was aware of what happened with Le'Veon last year, and um, you know it just it's sad because those are very, very two very good players um, uh, who are very important to the team, and uh, you know just for the game of football, um, you love to see those guys. You see, especially a guy like Zeke Elliott come back. Well, you know, you my, running backs get screwed. Is the well, problem. well, yeah, that's, yeah. Well, that's, that's what happens. Well, I was just right. going to say, you know, we started a thing when I was playing to call the quarterback club. You guys need to start the thing called the running back club to protect your own interests. I don't think people realize what it's like, and you love it because obviously you're very good at it, what it's like to get a handoff from a, a quarterback and run between the tackles in an NFL game. Is there any way to describe that to the layperson out there that doesn't understand what that's like? Um, well, one, you got about four 300-pound defensive lineman um, try to bring it to the ground. Um, and then everyone talk about the wear and tear on your body. Uh, yes, it's, it's a lot of wear and tear on your body, but that's a game of football. You know, everyone's getting hit. We might get hit the most, um, but everyone's getting hit. And I know they try to say the value of the running back position um, has gone down, but um, I think when you look at the league and you look at where the NFL players ranked um, the top 20, I think there was like four or five of us in the top 20 players um, that was in the running back position. And um, especially a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, you you see how important he is to his team. Um, the year he was suspended, uh, the difference was the difference of the team he was suspended when he came in. Obviously, I wasn't in the league yet, but I was a big fan of NFL. And um, like I said, it, it's, it's sad to see, but um, just for the game of football, um, you don't want to see a guy like Le'Veon Bell um, not being a, not being a season. And you don't want to see a guy like Ezekiel Elliott not have you, have you talked to Le'Veon uh, about coming in? New York at all? Have you been in contact with him at all? No, I actually have met him one time. Um, That's it? Yeah, I've only met him one time. I talked to him over social media uh, a couple times, but uh, no, you know, I'm happy for him um, that he was able to get things figured out and find a spot that um, you know that he want to be at and that wants him. And uh, it's kind of dope that he's kind of. I guess you could say down the road. He's right yeah, down the road. Down You're going to see him Thursday night. Yeah, here. see him Thursday yeah, night. Yeah. And, um, for me, like I said, uh, in college, I was a big fan. Uh, big fan of him. Big fan of all the backs. Uh, uh, so, you know, I love his game. And um, like I said, just for the game of football, it's important for him to be back. You have to wonder if Barkley is specifically trying to do what Odell did not do. And that's defend Eli and talk about Eli's leadership qualities, what have you. And maybe it's to engender some respect amongst the fans perhaps it's to align himself with the organization and ownership but the last superstar to play with Eli has beaten him up for the last calendar year and here is Saquon Barkley who's really defending him kind of going out of his way to do so I think that's it's kind of interesting to hear from him Jason Witten was in the broadcast booth he really wasn't that critical of anybody then he came out of the broadcast booth because other people are much more critical of him Now he's another tight end for the Dallas Cowboys, just what he was before he retired to go into the Monday Night Football booth. Jason Witten on his comeback with Ben and Skin, 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. How different does it feel now than it did the last time you were in camp two years ago? I mean, not really, you know, much of anything. I mean, I think the biggest thing different is just – you know, you're knocking the rust off, so you're getting full live reps. I mean, I had a good offseason. I felt like I did a lot of work to get back. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in the fundamentals and techniques, so I was working that all offseason once I knew I could go physically. You know, I felt like I was getting in and out of my cuts, all the things that make you a good tight end. I, I felt like I had those traits. Then you just got to go do it over and over and over again. So, 
knocking the rust off doing that and uh, pretty confident in it. But as far as like all the stuff that goes with teammates and coming back, I mean, that's been a fairly easy transition for me. And, you know, I'm loving it. And it was simply just I felt like that fire was too strong. It, it tugged on me, you know, in October and November. Um, and, you know, different than probably Tony, and, and I wasn't around when Troy at the end, but I, I didn't feel like there was other things that went into me retiring, mm -hmm. meaning were you injured or somebody else was coming up that, you know, was taken over and uh, or a combination of the two. And so really just a decision of, oh, this is a unique opportunity. You know, I mean, I think if you take 100 guys and put them in that situation with Monday Night Football, say, man, you know, 15 years, this may be a unique opportunity. What I probably didn't think about as much in detail was, look, I was a football player, and I felt like there was some meat on that bone, and, and winning and losing matters. Competing, that kind of felt like uh, I wanted to make that decision before it was too long gone, you know, with, with father time and at your age. So fortunate that uh, Stephen and Jerry and Jason gave me an opportunity, and, uh, you know, I want to prove that I'm right. I'm gonna, I want to make them proud, and uh, the biggest thing is now you got to go do it, and, and that's what I've been focused on. You know, uh, it, and I'm, I'm going to guess on something here, but I, the, the fact that uh, we weren't seeing a lot of Jason Witten interviews in the first week of camp, uh, but we just talked about how you're one of the most in-demand guys. To me, just as an outsider reading that, to me, that seems like Jason Witten saying, hey, man, I'm here to play. Let's, yeah. I'm not here to disrupt things. Let's not get me in front of a camera. It's almost like a reluctancy to do it. You're doing it because you're a super nice guy and you want to connect with Cowboy fans and you're nice to us media guys. <laughs> but you don't want this to be about you and you don't want your comeback to be a distraction. Is that what I'm reading? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I told uh, the PR staff, you know, going back to March, like, look, we don't need to have a press conference coming back. You know, let's just do what you guys need to do, well, you know. Um, and then coming back, look, lay low, you know, and, and get out there and play ball. And a big part of that is, is, you know, when you make a decision like this, I didn't want those guys. And I can remember early in my career, I felt like as soon as somebody stepped away or a couple guys, I could take over. And every team works that way. Hmm. And, you know, I didn't want – now, if you got the guy that, that's a veteran player that knows what he is and can bring something, you love that guy because then it's like – he can give you as much as you want or as little as you want, you know, within the team. So this is their time. And, and, uh, but thankfully they thought enough of me that I can go out there and play and bring that. And then all the other stuff, that's going to come with it. But I didn't want them to feel like they had to take a step back. And so, you know, you can say that, but your actions show it by, you know, not doing tons of interviews and, and you know, being out there. In the, it's their time. And right. uh, my thing is go play. I know what the questions are with my career, and they're fair questions. Um, but something tells me I feel confident that, you know, I can have a big role in this offense and just be as productive. Maybe it's not as many snaps, all that kind of stuff that's been talked about. But I think that productive, uh, I can be as productive with getting first downs and making some big plays for this offense. The one thing that you know from Witten is he's going to be a great teammate, a guy that says all the right things, defends his quarterback, whether Dak Prescott gets on the football or not, defends the organization, steadies the waters. And that's always a good thing for teams looking to try to win championships, get to the playoffs, what have you, and especially organizations that have a lot of distractions around like the Cowboys often do. But is Jason Witten going to be what we expect from Jason Witten? Could he catch 65 passes for 900 or 1,000 yards and six or seven touchdowns? I mean, that would be a reasonable goal for the starting tight end of the Dallas Cowboys, right? But can you really expect that after taking a year off of football? don't know how this is going to end because once you kind of quit on the dream of playing football and going to the broadcast booth, can you ever really get that full hunger back? 
Arthur Blank, owner of the Falcons, has had one of the most talented teams of the NFL, but no championships to show for it in recent years. And last year went so sideways that the Falcons didn't even make the playoffs and finished sub-500. Here's the owner of the Falcons on with Dukes and Bell, 92.9 the game in Atlanta. We all wonder what those expectations are for our Falcons when we talk about Dan Quinn and our football team. What are the expectations coming from you? Well, our, our view, and I've made this clear in the past, uh, is to have a competitive team every year. They have a team that's uh, going to be in the discussion in the preseason. Um, I think we're, we're there again this year. Um, Coach Dungy picked us the other day as being one of the dark horses coming out of the NFC, uh, so we're excited about that. But I think, you know, we have a very competitive team. We have a great coach, great co- coaching staff. We have a lot of great skill positions. We improved our team on the offensive line, which is important. Our defense has gotten healthy again, which is a huge factor. So um, I think we made really good draft choices and some good free agency pickups. So, you know, I, I think we're in a good place, but you got to play the games. Uh, after doing this for – this will be year 19 for me. Um, you know, it does depend on, on what happens on Sundays or Mondays or Thursdays, whatever it may be. But um, I love where Matt Ryan is. I love where the team is. And a lot of the players we expect a lot of look like they're in really good shape and have had really good camps. So we, I think we're good. Yeah. And hopefully we end up in the right place as the season goes on. Uh, before the 2016 season, you famously said, I need three starters from this draft, and you got them. Yeah. Uh, you and Thomas, the conversation about protecting Matt Ryan, the commitment to offensive line, was that your mandate? Well, I think it, it's not, it doesn't, doesn't really come from me, but I, I definitely am supportive of that and felt very strongly that, you know, as I've kind of teased over the years, that Matt Ryan plays much better vertically than horizontally. And uh, even as an owner, you can figure that out, and most fans would agree with that. So um, I think our running game um, was not where it needed to be last year. Uh, Matt got hit an incredible number of times, sacked a number of times. He's in great shape, uh, both mentally and physically, and we've got to keep him that way. So um, those aren't, you know, the, uh, the glamour picks um, or even the glamour free agent selections, but uh, they're really important. You've got to have a great offensive line and a great defensive line to play well f- throughout the season and into the playoffs. And I think even as the season progresses and you play in cold weather and weather conditions that are not always the most favorable, those, those two areas of the football team really show up. Uh, so I'm happy we put the emphasis on that, and I'm in total agreement with Thomas and and, uh, and coach on that as well. Arthur Blank joining us here on Dukes and Bell. Um, Arthur, as we talk about Coach Quinn saying the compass was off last year, that's the phrase he used. Were there any conversations with you as change was made or uh, uh, when the change was made about what that was about and how he feels about moving forward with you know, new coaches, obviously, and, and putting things in place to, to be in a better place this season? Well, I think one of the great strengths of Dan is, is that he uh, – He's, he's uh, honest to a fault, uh, not me even to a fault, but he's just brutally honest with himself and with me. And I think that at the end of the season, um, it was obviously, it was disappointing. There's a lot of reasons for it, but, you know, our fans uh, really don't necessarily focus on the reasons for it. They understand them, but they're not as sympathetic as, as um, you know, as, as they should be. Not as they should be, but really as you might hope for. But they, they understand it. They understand guys are injured. They understand we have some deficiencies here and there. But I think Dan was able to look at his coaching staff in a, in a critical way and say, you know, we have a good OC, but we need to be better. So we bring in a guy like Dirk Cutter who's got a long relationship with Matt and uh, proven uh, on that side of the ball. We bring in a guy like Mike Malarkey who's 
here before, has a great relationship with Matt, was a great uh, tight end coach, and can add perspective as a head coach as well. The Falcons are going to be, once again this year, one of the favorites to win the NFC South because even with the Saints there, the Panthers, let's face it, that Falcons team has such unbelievable talent top to bottom. They really do. And had they won that championship and held on to the 28-3 lead over the Patriots a couple of years ago, perhaps their history and their respect and their credibility would be far different. Maybe we'd think about them in a different way. But right now, the Falcons are still chasing that, and so people have them off their radar. Let's put this out there, that the Falcons winning a championship this year would not be a shock because they've got talent at every position, and Arthur Blank is a big reason why. He's willing to spend. He wants a winner. He likes stability. But Dan Quinn might be out if they can't capitalize on another year with the prime of so many of their players. Tom Brady has signed an extension. It's really a one-year extension just to up the money that he gets this year, but that it's basically void after this season that they'll be back to negotiating. So is it possible that Tom Brady does hit free agency after the year and plays for somebody else? Here's Dale and Keefe on WEEI in Boston. If I had a bet on it, he plays his whole career here, but this is... Very uncharted territory. He talked about it yesterday when he spoke to reporters. This is a, a, a unique situation. You know, a 42-year-old quarterback playing like this. But he specifically going into a walk year, very, very unconventional. We have not seen this from Tom Brady. So it does open the door to him potentially leaving. At the risk of, you know, kind of maybe cleaning up a little bit the report from the Disco King there. Yeah, please. From, from Ian. Yeah. He could become a free agent. Even for a second. Right. It has been reported that he will become a free agent. Right. If they don't do another deal. In other words, the first day of the business year. Yeah, but after 2020. But how confident are you? No, no, I'm I'm just saying it has been reported. He's going to be a free agent. Well, maybe. Well, I would say probably. That doesn't mean he doesn't re-sign with the team, but I'm sure that time passes. I don't believe he'll get to free agency. Oh, see, I do. Do you think that that this contract negotiation was very smooth? Uh, I think that it got pushed along a little bit. I think that, you know, they were working towards it. Um, my guess is the Brady camp didn't think it was moving along quickly enough. Right. Uh, there have been multiple reports out there about the possibility that he was not going to get on the plane to Detroit if they didn't get this thing done. And all of a sudden it got done. Yeah, so I would say that was, uh, that was not a, a very easy negotiation. You know, well, for a guy that everybody you you don't have a backup plan. You need him back, and you want to make him happy. If there's ever a player in the history of sports that should even get paid a little bit more based on past performance, I know that's not how you do most contracts. But for this guy, if you want to give him a little bit of a bump, you need him probably more than he needs you. And it took to this last minute, the day before they go to Detroit, to get something done, and he gets a little bit of a bump and no assurances going forward. I did, I, you know, I did the math yesterday, and if you look yeah. at this this reported contract with the void years and all that, it's twenty three million this year, it's thirty million year two, it's thirty two million in year three. I understand the two void years. Mm-hmm. You do the math, you add them up, it's eighty five million dollars. You divide it by three, it's twenty eight point three million dollars a year. I got a feeling that's pretty close to the number. You want to know why? 28-3. There you go. Falcons blew a 28-3 lead. But I that's do, how much he wants I, to get and, paid. And I think, that's all pretty, together. I, I think that's pretty close to the number. I don't think they just said, well, just just stick a couple of numbers out there. They're void years anyway. They could have made them $50 million a year. It wouldn't have mattered. Uh, I, I have a feeling 
that's the ballpark of where you're going to end but up. But what if, and, and I only I only tweeted this out half-jokingly, that if you're the Jets or any team, but I say specifically the Jets because Brady beats you all the time, you're never going to win the division until he leaves. What if the Jets or the Dolphins or the Bills or the Giants or somebody, he does get the free agency, and even if he is dead set on staying with the Patriots, Don Yee gets a call and says, Brady, I know you don't want to leave, but we're being offered $45 million. I tweeted 50 but whatever. Some goofy amount sure. of money making him the highest paid quarterback. Now, again, it's not to say that he leaves, but now you turn around and you force the Patriots' hand and say, listen. Which is why I don't think it gets to that point. Why not? Which is why I think the Patriots get a deal. First of all, he doesn't want to go to the Jets or the Giants or no, the no, 49ers. That, and that's not the point. So, the point is so you he, use their he money. He would like to get a, a deal done as well. But if he plays well this year, and we kind of assume we that he does. Of, and we I guess think he will. It could all be, you know... Forget about it if he, if he struggles or if he gets hurt or whatever. But if he plays really well, and again, I don't think Brady wants to go anywhere, but would he play for, in your scenario, $28 million with the Patriots if another team offered him 40 Yes, I believe he would. See, I don't know. I, th- I, I think it means more to him to begin and end his career in one place. And let's be honest, we've been saying this all along. These aren't normal human beings with normal financial needs where you say, hey, uh, the money talks here. So that's they're the, fine, by that's the way. The, well, that's the Patriots banking on Tom Brady yeah. not taking as much money as he's and worth. I don't believe, and use your number, let's say 45. Yeah. Let's say the Jets called and said, yeah. listen, we'll, we'll give, give you 45 million. million for a, Guaranteed. I don't think he does that. It's hard to ever envision Brady going elsewhere because the Kraft ownership group loves him so much. He might spar with Belichick. He might feel as though Bill doesn't have his back all the time, but ownership does. Jonathan Kraft and Robert Kraft absolutely love Tom Brady. So I think it doesn't seem likely at all that we would ever see him play for a different team unless at the very end the Patriots said, you know what, we're just not going to go there at $35 million, that he could get $35 million from a different team because they're willing to overspend for the reputation of Tom Brady for relevance, what have you. But if he has taken below market value to this point in his career almost every year, why would that change next year? Finally, to baseball, the Mets continue their winning ways, taking a two-game sweep in the doubleheader over the Miami Marlins yesterday to finally get above 500 for the first time since May the 2nd. But is it just going to collapse on Mets fans like so many other seasons have? Here's Joe and Evans, specifically Joe Beningo, lashing out of that notion on WFAN in New York. You guys have had this little sliver of hope, and you've let it go to your heads. I can't. Well, it's not going to my. But Rob, first of all, it's not going to my head. I keep saying the same thing. It's going to everybody's head. How is it? It's going to everybody. Everybody got Boomer Esiason on the morning. Can I be? But Rob, hold on a minute, Rob. Can we be? You know what? Can we be? Can we have a moment to uh, to enjoy it as a Met fan? I mean, really. So what are we supposed to do? Do I think they're making the playoffs? No. You want to know? No, I don't. I don't. And I've said it. Well, they've made this run against bad teams, but they've done what they had to do against bad teams. Let's see them continue to do it against Miami. But can we, as a Met fan, can I enjoy that my team is actually playing good baseball? That they've won 15 to 21 since the All-Star break? That they've won 9 of the last 10? Can I enjoy it for, for a second? Can I? Can I take a moment to believe that maybe my team is actually going to play meaningful baseball in August and September? Can I, can I have that moment? Really? Why do you have to rain on the parade here? I'm, and I'm not su- suggesting for a second. I, I say I, I keep saying there's a lot of baseball. A lot of they haven't even got the 500 yet. What did I just say? But as Met fans, can we enjoy it for a minute? 
So what are you supposed to do? Not watch the game? I don't want to watch the game now. I, well, what's the problem here? Let the Met fan enjoy it a little bit. You know, we know we got two world championships since 1962. All right. You know, I mean, I mean, give me a break. It's not like they're racking up titles all the time. All right. So, so here we got a nice little, a nice little run going. We do. They are. They have an outstanding rotation. I mean, you can say whatever you want. Okay. You, you, you tell me outside of outside of the Houston Astros, and you want to give me Washington. Who really, top to bottom, has a better rotation in the Mets? You want to give me Cleveland? Cleveland's pretty good. Still got a couple guys that, you know, Carrasco's not there, and Kluber's not there. But, they you know, and they got rid of Bauer. But they still got a pretty good rotation. They're not bad. Outside of that, who's who's so much, who's the team that has such a better rotation in the Mets, too? Outside of those two teams. Houston, Washington. Outside of them. So, I mean, you know, can I, can I enjoy it right now while my team's playing good baseball? Can we enjoy it? Can I enjoy that Jeff McNeil's batting 336? Can I enjoy that Pete Alonzo looks like he may we may really have a, a a big time power hitter for a lot of years? Can I enjoy that? Can I be happy about it? Can I be happy that Rosario's hitting 280? Can I that JD Davis is tearing the cover off the ball right now? Can I? Am I allowed to? Seriously. Am I allowed to as a Met fan, am I allowed to enjoy that? Am I allowed to enjoy the Grom and Syndergaard? Can I you know? Can I be happy that they made the Marcus Stroman trade? Can I be happy they didn't trade Syndergaard and Wheeler? Why am I not allowed to be happy like that if I'm a Met fan? So, you know, we don't get a lot as Met fans. We don't get much. We really don't. Usually the year's over by now for us, okay? Most of the time. Most of the time on August 5th, we're done. It's done. It's over. More often than not, over how many years it's been now that the Mets have been in existence, 57 years, whatever it is. More often than not, by August 5th, the season's over. More often than not. So can we enjoy the run that they're on right now? You know, Joe is a longtime tortured Mets fan. Can you just let him have this? Telling him not to be happy, not to be excited. What what is that about? I'm with Joe. If it allows you to be happy within yourself, just do it. You know, let yourself be taken away because so what? It's better to be happy now and crushed in late September than it is to just be miserable now and then also just wait for the collapse. That's the best of your sports talk for Tuesday, August the 6th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.